0: It's not just about talking to executives. It's about talking to those people on the front line. Stop catching the problem. Start coaching to fix the problem. I am tired of seeing audit plans with things that have already happened.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Tuesday Morning Grind, episode number 59. And today we have a great topic where we're going to talk about how internal audit quality auditing uh, really overlaps with security and that might not sound intuitive to some of you guys but uh, in the world of security you do a lot of security assessments and a lot of what we're going to talk about with our guests today will be related to how to make those assessments higher quality and how to think about risk and present findings and things like that so a great conversation uh, we have amanda joe erwin with, with us today uh, she is a trainer on total quality auditing and how to do quality audits. Does a lot of stuff where uh, if you want to need CPE or you want training, you want education around this, she does a lot of that. Also author of the book, Total Quality Auditing, uh, adjunct professor at I have University of Northern Colorado uh, and, and other places. I think uh, MSU Denver I saw as well. So obviously in the classroom a lot, educating a whole lot. So thank you so much, Joe, for being with us.
0: Sure. Thank you for having me.
1: So uh, maybe to kick it off, um, how how did you get into internal auditing, total quality auditing, and how did you develop a passion for such a thing? Because I think most folks when they think about auditing, it's not super exciting. It doesn't seem like it. I'm excited about it because I started my career that way as well. But how, how did you get into it, and how did you kind of find this niche?
0: Yeah, so uh, you know, like a lot of us, I went to school for accounting. So you know, started down that path. I remember when I was going for my master's, they said. Hey, you have to pick a track. You have to pick audit or tax. Well, tax was like not my friend. Taxes still are not my friend. I think you and I talked about this. I am the CPA who doesn't do her own taxes. Uh, but you know, I immediately kind of found this passion for audit. I loved, you know, like my forensic accounting class, those where you could really dig into those higher risk items, do some investigations. That was always a passion of mine. Uh, like a lot of us that maybe started. Down that accounting, undergraduate, graduate level track, I got recruited by one of the big four accounting firms. So I started an yep. external audit. And I think what I learned very quickly in external audit is that early on in my career, i I wanted a home base. I wanted to make a difference within one organization. So I switched quickly to internal audit because I saw the opportunity there to really add value one place. And I think it clicked for me, That my brain worked more operationally than it did financially. And so doing financial statement audits just wasn't my passion. So that's kind of how I got to internal audit uh, really quickly in my career. I mean, that was 2005. So, you know, 17 years ago. And, you know, I was at the same company for 10 years and I always laugh. I tell people, you know what? I think my mentality kind of reversed about four years ago. I said, hey, I don't want to just help one organization, I want to help lots of them. So, you know, I think after I got an internal audit department, I was the director of internal audit. When I left, you know, I thought, you know, I want to make an impact other places. So that's where total quality auditing came from. I thought about what have I been teaching my whole internal audit career and how can I spread that across the globe, really? So I started, uh, put put together a presentation first, honestly, and then decided, you know, hey, this presentation that I've been doing for uh IIA chapters and other associations and companies, I should put this in a book. So that's kind of the development of where TQA happened. It kind of started as a a mentality I used, then it went to a training program, then it went into kind of the book and the workbook format. So that was that was in 2019. So three years
1: ago. That's awesome. You've been busy. So I, I don't know if everyone under I don't know that it's intuitive how what you do as an internal auditor, what I do as an internal auditor and, and some clients is uh what the bridge is between cybersecurity and the audit universe. Because I think when a lot of folks think about cybersecurity, they tend to think penetration testing or they think, you know, uh monitoring, intrusion detection, response, uh, being part of a security operations center or something like that. But I know a whole lot of uh people who are in security cut their teeth or still do assessments as part of their job. That's like the, the biggest part. So you look at the whole compliance space anybody with a GRC title or even anyone doing security program assessments. And then as a result, we're producing a report and recommendations on what they should do. And in fact, internal audit departments for big companies, like they'll have IT auditors or, or something like that as part of their internal audit department. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways I spend a lot of my time and a lot of our team spends our time are doing what is effectively an internal audit for organizations. The subject matter just happens to be Information security or cybersecurity, right? So I have a few scenarios that that we kind of talked about, and I want to run by you and get get your thoughts and how you would approach it from a quality audit perspective. And the first one is around like uh risk based auditing. Mm-hmm. So in the context of cybersecurity, uh, there's a million things you can look at, and and you could say the same for anything like operational audits or financial audits. But sometimes what we uh, you can either go a mile wide and an inch deep, or you can go really deep on something. But when it comes to doing a project itself or uh, even selecting projects and thinking about risk, like what have you learned on that topic? Like, How does risk plan of this? How am I selecting audits? How am I diving in in certain areas in the audit plan? Can you expand on that?
0: Sure. So uh, total quality auditing has six points of focus. And the third one is all about gathering feedback because total quality auditing started from total quality management. And I know you and I mm-hmm. have talked about this a little bit. There are, you know, solid principles that companies have built to be successful. And those TQM principles are what I think we all should be. Whether you're in cyber, whether you're in general internal audit, operational, financial, external auditors, um, we should be looking at those principles to say, how can this help us be successful? Because it's proven that these concepts work. Well, one of them is that the customer is number one. And so I think for us as any type of professional, You need to get that feedback on what is everybody worried about? What are your customers worried about? So, you know, when you when you're looking at this daunting cybersecurity world or this daunting company in general and saying, you know, how am I going to get I'm going to put this in air quotes coverage on all of this? You know what? Coverage is a word I wish we could throw out of our playbook as auditors, because what we need to do is is really look at the important stuff. And I think the way we do that is by gathering feedback. Now that, that can be, you know, I talk about using surveys, you know, just it's talking, talking to your customers, talking to the stakeholders of your organization, you know, where are those risks and where do we need to focus our time and attention? You know, to me, that's the best way to get at a risk-based approach to anything mm-hmm. uh, is really using your customers to scope what you're doing. And I yeah, think that's, that's number one to me.
1: Absolutely. There's there's like this temptation, and and I think in beyond cybersecurity, but especially in cybersecurity, where the way you approach an assessment is you choose a framework. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's alphabet soup of different frameworks and then you execute against that. Yeah. COVID, ISO 27001, SOC2, whatever it might be. Um, Whereas what I've seen be effective, but haven't articulated is exactly what you're saying is. you you go into a really big organization. And one of the things I preach on the security side is security has to be aligned to the business objectives. Mm -hmm. So what are those business objectives? Maybe it's to sell into additional clients. Maybe it's risk management. Maybe you're a huge target for nation states. But the way you understand those business objectives that informs how you build a security program is asking. Yes. So, So as an internal, how would you do that? Were you literally like, did you have ongoing relationships with executives? You mentioned you're sending out surveys. What are some of the techniques you would use to like gather that feedback?
0: Surveys are number one. And, and what I say is, you know, I talk a lot about risks and I talk about how can we be around the corner of the risks coming. And one of the, I, it's a book, I'm quoting a book, uh, Seeing Around Corners is by Rita McGrath. But what she says is you need to get from the, the corner, the street corner to the corner office. You know, it's not just about talking to executives, it's about talking to those people on the front line who know what's happening. And I think, in my, my personal opinion, what's worked for me in my career, surveys are the best tool. And, you know, you mentioned I'm a higher ed professor. I taught intro to business. And I loved talking about the evolution of business models throughout the decades. And, you know, real quick, you know, production was the first. First model decades ago, we started by just producing whatever it is. Then we went to sales. Hey, we have to sell what we're producing. Then we went to marketing and advertising kind of third generation. Well, we got to, you know, we can't just produce it and hire these salespeople. We got to advertise and market for it. Well, right now we're in the fourth generation, which is literally CRM, customer relationship management. Those those things matter and the one way every company out there today is surveying us right we we go to shop somewhere we get a survey in our inbox why because they know our opinion matters and so again that's why i say surveys yes some organizations use them too much they're not using them very well but when effectively used you can gather all the data you need from the street corner to the corner office and that really i mean i've gotten pieces of gold by surveying literally every employee at an organization. I mean, yeah. I had built audit plans off of those survey responses and found the risks. And I think, um, I love that you used one of my favorite quotes, just ask. Internal auditors need to figure out however the best way is to just ask.
1: I worked for, uh, before starting Risk360, I uh, did some consulting work for a couple internal audit uh, groups where they outsourced their IT audit function. And we still do that to this day where we come in and the outsource that function to us. But, you know, the big lift every year um, is trying to figure out what you're going to cover and what projects am I going to select. And uh, there's kind of, what I've noticed is there's two primary ways that happens. One way is uh, either the board of directors or the chief audit executive or, or someone has been presented a list. Either that's like a trends list from one of the big four accounting firms or the board of directors has some ideas. And some of those projects need to hit the list because they're just kind of like hot topics. For example, this uh, over the last few years, ransomware has been popular, which is legitimate. It's a big problem. So that hit the list. Um, and then the other way that I've seen getting good projects was uh, just keeping your ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like talking to a lot of people, asking them how they're going to be spending their time the next year, what big projects they have in flight, what are they worried about. And to your point, um, I, and I never did that from a security perspective. I was never asking, like, what are your favorite? What are you worried about in security? It was just like, what are you working on? Mm -hmm. And people are always working on big implementations, big new customers, integrations, new engineering efforts. And uh, those were always great opportunities for me to bring that project back and say, hey, should we be looking at this from a security perspective? So maybe there's some huge ERP integration that's going to, you know, no one's thinking about that from a security perspective. They're thinking about that from the financials and the data accuracy perspective. But we were able to put a security overlay. Mm-hmm. But you could say that about outside of internal audit. You could say that by anything. If you just keep your area ground, understand what the business is doing, help you collect some really great projects.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I say, you know, there is absolutely one of the main TQM principles is that, you know, W. Edwards Deming, who founded it, he would go into a business and, and he would say, let's throw out the inspection department. Why? Because he didn't, he thought that was too late. He says it was too late, it was ineffective, and it was costly. That's an audit department. A lot of times, we, you know, they'll do a big system development project. We'll come in a year after it's done and audit it. And that, to me, is after-the-fact auditing. That's that's pretty meaningless nowadays. You know what you're talking about. What I'm talking about teaching is yes, we're finding out about these system development projects by asking on things like surveys, what are you doing? And then we can start going in. We can put controls in place along the way. You know, I am tired of seeing audit plans with things that have already happened. It needs to be a change in implementation monitoring for XYZ system development project that's on our plan because that's real time. That's what we need to be doing. That's how we're going to add value.
1: There's this buzzword in security, or two buzzwords, really. There's one that you'll hear that's emerging that's uh, shift left. They keep talking about shifting left. So get security involved early in the planning and all throughout the process. You hear that in internal audit, too. Like, get us involved early so we start thinking about risk. Yes. And then there's all, the second concept is uh, security or privacy by design, mm-hmm. which is basically the same thing, whereas you get in in the planning phase before the stuff is shipped, start thinking about risk principles, quality, Asking hard questions, that way they can build it right from the start instead of like as a tack on later where you're just uncovering the risk. And it sounds like that's a a principle of total quality auditing ultimately.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's a TQM principle, right? I mean, all these successful auto manufacturers, their old model was to get a car off the line as soon as possible. But then they had billions of dollars of defects in cars being returned. So, you know, it was, okay. let's start controlling the processes. Let's think about continuous improvement. All of these are things we're talking about as a profession. We just didn't realize we were implementing TQM principles. And so I've just kind of really connected the dots there.
1: So I'm going to list the six just for those out there that want to read the book, Total Quality Auditing. It's ethics. That's number one. Number two is standards and conduct. Number three is feedback. We just talked about. Number four is lean and agile tools. Number five is balance, balancing assurance and consulting ultimately. And six is leadership. So I want to talk about five. Yeah. Because um, which is the uh, balancing assurance and consulting. Mm-hmm. So many companies, the function of an assessment or an internal audit is to go to leadership and is supposed to have some independence in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the board says, all right, an independent party looked at this so I can trust it. I know it has accurate data in it. But if you go to any internal audit function or even when we're doing security assessments, there's a desire to be somewhat consultative because you don't want to be adversarial. You're trying to add real value, provide some recommendations, that kind of thing. What do you think the right balance is? Like, What what does total quality auditing say?
0: Yeah. So um, one of my favorite things I heard Richard Chambers say recently, he's the Mm -hmm. past uh, CEO of the IIA, the Institute of Internal Auditors. He said, would you rather help your organization? or not have an organization to help. And he was talking about that as someone was questioning kind of bringing up this idea of independence. We can't help our organization. We cannot assist or advise on this project because they're so worried about independence. And I thought really that statement was pretty darn brilliant because you know, our organizations are struggling right now. A lot of them are. And so, you know, really it's a matter of why why can't you be be professional, be objective, be independent, and still switch hats, which I think is something a lot of internal auditors overthink. Our internal audit definition, the definition is assurance and consulting activity designed to add value and improve an organization's operations. And I really think we cannot just do that with assurance work. It's after the fact, it's not during the process, you know, it's coming in after things have already happened. The consulting is our real opportunity. And it's, it's part of what this profession was set up to do. So honestly, in my personal opinion, it's way overthought.
1: Uh, in yeah. A lot
0: of traditional audit shops still today.
1: It's, this probably isn't by accident, but I will point out that the first, what, at least two ethics, number one, standards of conduct, number two. Uh, and then balance of assurance consulting is number five. So I think you always got to keep ethics and, you know, standard of conduct, number one. And that's whether you're a consultant or an auditor. But for us, like if if, you, if you're if clearly need to be independent for some reason, you should do that. But in almost all situations, there is a place for you to be like, especially as an auditor, because you have the opportunity. You're one of the few roles that has seen this, the whole company probably, and also audited in detail. So like sometimes you can say, this is what I saw at this other company, mm-hmm. or this is what your uh, your colleagues in the other department are doing, and it's working really well for them. Yeah. So sometimes you're just the, the catalyst for information sharing When when there's not an otherwise function, there's there's huge value on the table there when it comes to auditing.
0: Absolutely, one of the one of my favorite Deming quotes from TQM is the greatest waste is the failure to use the abilities of people, and that's you know that's what a lot of organizations do, and sadly we don't use our internal audit functions enough. We don't use um, you know them as a collaborator, uh, you know, as a resource amongst the organization. And I'd really like to see that change.
1: Absolutely. Another thing that caught my eye. Maybe you can give us some definitions on this is uh, you you mentioned that there are three auditor types. There's ethical, gritty, and respected. And gritty caught my eye, of course.'m like, what is that all about? So, yeah, can you talk a little bit about those? What are they? What are the auditor types?
0: Sure. So ethical is probably pretty obvious to everybody, right? And um, we need to have the utmost integrity and and especially in our profession because I think you know we've got to walk the talk. Everybody does, mm-hmm. but I think personal ethics are really important uh, in our profession. Um, The Gritty Auditor, so I'm a book reader, you can tell from my background here, I have a CPE book club, literally where I read books, give a presentation and then give out CPEs for it. So it's my favorite thing. Um, The book by Angela Duckworth, Grit, The Power Mm -hmm. of Passion and Perseverance, very popular book. She's got a great TED talk, Um, you know, really, again, everything I read, I equate to what I do for a living. Right. So audit, Uh, we have you have to have the passion For being an auditor, or you're not going to be any good at it. And that goes for everything, right? You've just got to have a passion for it. But I definitely think the perseverance side is really important. And those two things equal grit. Perseverance, I mean, we have challenging clients. We are working with top executives a lot of times. I mean, what entry level person can say they go and interview a VP? We have this amazing opportunity to influence our organization, but it takes some grit. It takes, that courage, uh, because a lot of times you're speaking with people who have been in your organization, your industry for, you know, 30 years longer than you have been. Um, and so that word just really resonated with me. In fact, one of my first, very first presentations years ago when I went out on my own was auditing with grit. I wrote an article about it. It was published in the um, internal audit magazine.
1: I like that. Uh, it was
0: one of my favorite things because they just go, in, they go hand in hand. You've got to have one if you want to do the other. Yep.
1: I think um, a lot of folks that listen to this podcast are people kind of either trying to get into security or or, um, early in their career. And I I tell folks all the time, uh, internal auditing or doing security assessments, which is another word for saying auditing, is I think one of the best places to possibly launch your career. Because to your point, where else do you, one, get to see hundreds potentially of different clients mm-hmm. over a course of a couple of years. So rapid succession, you're seeing clients, some of them are incredibly mature. Some of them are immature. So you can compare and contrast the types of environments um, you get the exposure to executives. So you start hearing what's on their mind. So it's just like a rapid education over the course of a couple of years, which is why like the big four accounting firms and some of those are so popular, because if you come in as a financial auditor or an IT auditor, you just get incredible exposure mm-hmm. really early in your career. That makes you a really good consultant or practitioner or operational person later in your career because you have that all, all of those things you can pull from as experiences. So definitely recommend that.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, I actually heard recently I, I, I wish I could credit where I heard it from you know we should stop using best practices. We need to start saying better practices because we're all continuously I mean best practices means we've found the end like the end <laughs> is there and we know it, right. So you know I think to your point, these opportunities, are opportunities for us to all build our better practices bucket uh, because that's you know that's what we get to do we get to see so much so
1: absolutely so um mr 360 we we are in the business largely of doing assessment work and then presenting reports to our clients and then ultimately helping them execute on reports and and remediate their environment so We'll come in and do a security assessment and we'll say, hey, here's all the stuff bad that we found that you need to fix. And here's some recommendations on how to fix them. And often we'll help them fix it or we're issuing a certification. Um, and I've found that writing a report is more than just a template because we have great templates. But there's like some art into writing findings based on the audience where they can receive them and go act on them. There's tons of dynamics in terms of some people who are really defensive. Like they feel like their jobs on the line, and you're you're accusing them of falling down on the job. Some people are really receptive to those findings, um, and it take you have to be a writer. I've written, I mean, I bet my career a million pages. Like I don't even know, just tons of writing, and those are things that are surprising to people. I think, uh, especially in security, is like the the volume of writing, the the thinking that you have to do to present a report, and that includes pen testing. By the way, for y'all listening, if you're a penetration tester, half of your job is going to be behind the screen trying to figure out how to break into a system. The other half is going to be figuring out how to articulate what you did on paper. And those are some of the most complex reports. So I, I stage all of that to say, one of your areas of expertise is thinking about like, how to articulate findings so they're received um, and, and total quality auditing. So can you just talk about that? I don't even know where to start, but how do we think about that?
0: Well, I want everybody to step back and think about the fact that while your report is important, that is just the delivery mechanism. What is more important is the content within that. And, you know, I just, I, it, I kind of cringe every time an auditor says that, well, my product that I'm selling, quote, is my report. No, it's not. It's the information you're communicating within that report, it's the difference that you can make across the organization by the content of that report. And so, you know, I just like to differentiate that first because that's kind of a pet yep. peeve of mine. Um, you know, I think for me, the the TQA point of focus that hits this the most is lean. And that's point of focus number four. And my my biggest thing is there is so much waste we can eliminate in what we do. And a lot of that sadly is the time we spend on these reports. And um, you know, I'd say just look at it from that waste perspective. Like, is it going to through too many levels of review? You know, is the content, like you said, not relevant to your readers? Um, one of the TQM principles that I built this concept based on was essentially that you can have the most beautiful product in the world, but if it's not what your customer wants, it's meaningless. And I want auditors and you know, security professionals think about that product and what your customer needs, what they want, because they're going to kind of put it in their drawer and not even read it if it's, if it's meaningless to them. It's really putting yourself in the shoes of your customer and saying, is this exactly what they need at this moment in time? Um, I call it just in time auditing too. But I mean, regardless, I know I kind of went in three different ways here. You know, we just really need to think of number one, our product as the actual info in it and not as much spending as much time on how we get it there. Um, And then, you know, eliminate the waste you can through that reporting process.
1: Huge, huge place. As a consultant, I think we, uh, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking like I need this thing to be beefy, like in terms of length, pretty, yeah, um, yeah. you know, all the things because this is your deliverable, and, and that's kind of what you're getting paid for sometimes. So there's like this desire to make people feel like this is what I paid for. But if I think about it, there's there are any successful client I've ever had. Um, We didn't spend a lot of time reviewing the report. What we spent time was meetings before the meeting, Mm -hmm. uh, like consulting all the way up into the report where we're talking about how to resolve it. So by the time they get the report, like there's already projects in flight to fix issues. It's been well circulated. Everybody pretty much knows what's in the report. So then they get it and they're like, great, that's a formality at this point.
0: Right. That's agile, right? That's, Mm -hmm. That's really having those meetings with your clients and your customers throughout the process. So they know exactly where you're at and what the problems you're finding real time are and fixing them. You know, I think that to me is the importance of agile auditing. And, you know, then, like you said, by the time you get to the report, it's just a checkbox and it's done. And it's not this like massive, you know, six weeks to get the report out process, which is what I dread. Uh, in a lot of internal
1: audits. Yes, and what what else is coming to mind here? To me, to I agree. That's the best way to do it. But to but sometimes I've seen in audit departments or when you're issuing a report, there's so much coaching to CYA, cover your butt in that report. So you got to document everything, and because they're like, look, you got to everyone's going to push back on every single finding. But what I'm realizing is to to be agile, you have to really solve another root cause, which is trust. Mm. Like your organization has to trust you. You have to have a good reputation. They have to be assuming positive intent. They have to know that you're not a gotcha auditor, that you're there to help them. Mm-hmm. And if all of those things are taken care of, they're not so much worried about the words in the final report. They're worried about getting the job done and, mm-hmm. and and all the things that come with that. So is that your experience too? i see you nodding. Like how do you build trust and like earn the opportunity to do an agile audit?
0: Yeah, I think... Um- You know, like you said, it is making sure you're building that rapport that here's the here's what I say. Stop catching the problem, right? Start coaching to fix the problem. You know, internal, internal auditors, stop, you know, being the gotcha auditor, like you said, stop being the bad cop, start being the crossing guard. You are getting them from point A to point B. And, you know, you've got to show them this to earn it. Right. And and you can't just it, it's not gonna happen overnight. Uh the respected auditor is the third one. It's the ethical auditor, the gritty auditor, and the respected auditor. And that's a lot about a lot of what I talk about. How are you showing them you're solving the problems? You're not just finding them. And mm-hmm. that does go back to the report, by the way. I have seen so many audit reports that all they do is list the findings. And yes, maybe they have a recommendation that says, you know. Think about a new system to fix this. Think about, you know, X, Y, Z. Think about it. But it, it doesn't take that next step and really think through how could they really solve this problem? How could we even assist with that? You know, show in the report that they're already down the path of doing that. It's, just, it's like we stop too short a lot of times is what I see. It, it's just like, let's just throw all the findings in the report and feel good about ourselves. And, that, you know, that's not the auditors that are going to earn the respect and have that trust and that rapport like you're talking about. Um, And so it's about the actions. You know, you've got to show them that you're more than just that, find the problem auditor.
1: So um, in in a lot of companies, not all, but many companies, there's a a board of directors and then there's an audit subcommittee at the board of directors. And the the audit executives, the chief, chief audit executive is ultimately choosing audit projects and then, funneling the report results up to that audit committee who are who are reading them and and then trying to steer the ship like where how's the company doing based on these audit reports i get mm-hmm. and the the two types of board cultures that i've seen uh one is that there seems to be a reward mechanism for bad reports in that like uh, that proves that the audit team's really you know auditing hard and finding good stuff and making lots of improvements and then there's the other kind of. Board culture that uh, rewards progress collaboration not throwing anybody under the bus they want to see results you know again they're assuming positive intent and I can't really I've been part of audit committee meetings but never selecting a board myself so I don't know what drives one culture versus another but what have you seen work in terms of uh, if you have that board of directors culture that is maybe pushing inadvertently an audit client to to be uh, more adversarial in nature. Mm-hmm. Have you seen anything work to like kind of help change that culture or give them a different perspective?
0: It takes a lot, a lot of talking, a lot of uh, teaching, a lot of, um, I would say not just auditors are stuck in this traditional mentality, but a lot of management is and a lot of boards are. So you hit the, the nail on the head right there. Um, and here's my, one of my favorite things to say is that every good internal auditor, any good internal audit leader is doing their best to work themselves out of a job. Meaning, we are here to make the company so good that they don't need us anymore at the end of the day. And I think just if every chief audit executive could go into audit committee with that mentality of look, we're doing our job if we aren't finding problems, I want you to shift your mentality from thinking that we're not doing our jobs if all of these reports don't have findings, because what that should mean instead to you is that we're doing the pre-work, we're doing the preventative work, we're involved in projects where we need to be, that we're not having these after the fact findings anymore. Uh, I, you know, number one mindset, as auditors, we have to be more proactive than reactive. and we've traditionally been reactive and it's about shifting management's mindset to that. It's about shifting the board's mindset to that too. So, you know, keep talking about it. That's my only advice is the the luck that I've had over my career is to just keep reiterating it, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's key. And then you gotta show it in your actions. Put in your audit reports where you have put in some excellent controls within a new system development project. I mean, show that proactive, you know, it's not a finding, but it's a win. Shift that mentality from reports just being all bad and all negative and all findings. Give yourself credit. I think that's a problem in a lot of audit shops. They do do this consulting work. They don't know how to report on it. You know, I'm all about do a memo, you know, show what you're doing, take credit because that's how you're going to earn the respect and get that trust of management. And that's how you're going to shift that mindset.
1: I have a, um, there's a guy I'd probably call somewhat of a mentor uh, that I worked with early in my career. I wish I could name the company. but uh, Bart, if you're listening, he knows who he is. Um, and one of the things, uh, it was my one of my first jobs after consulting uh, when I was kind of, well, one of my first jobs after public accounting when I was doing independent consulting. Uh, and he was helping me think through how to write audit reports. And uh, it was very different from anywhere else I'd ever written an audit report because what he did is every audit report was two pages. That was like his goal. Like there was exceptions to that, but that was kind of his rule. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that required uh, brevity and being agile and things like that. And the uh, first part of the report was always two things. One was you had to talk about how the project you work on exhibited the company's core values. There was like a brag section where you had to kind of integrate that. And two as uh, you had to talk about something good that they did mm-hmm. uh, like, Hey, some of what are the, some of the positive aspects that we noticed during the audit, even if it was just their attitude, like their whole process was broken, but their attitude was great, <laughs> uh, which I thought was a really good way to start the report because what it did is it made me think about that, which is good. It also disarmed the reader a little bit and let them know we're on their side. And, uh, and then the rest of the report was pretty brief and it often included good stuff as well as some of the findings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think I think it took me a while to really appreciate what he was trying to accomplish with some of those principles and just building them in. But uh he's one of the best internal auditors and, and vice presidents of or chief audit executives I've seen in terms of the real change he's been able to make at an organization, not just producing reports. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I left that, that one and then went to another organization doing some consulting work. And uh they had the opposite, whereas their audit reports were lengthy, very negative terrible relationship with it in terms of just uh some fear like no one was trying to be bad but it was like just a lot of fear because every audit report went out was damning that kind of thing and uh the one of the ways that i drove a little bit of organizational change as a as a consultant even is that the first report i ever wrote actually produced two copies of the report i had one in their uh their format and then i did one in the format of which i was coached to by bart and uh and i was and, and He didn't accept the short version because because they were the board was used to seeing something. But what we ended up talking about was, uh, why don't you submit both to the to the board uh, and, and like just communicate to them? Our audit reports have been historically negative, but there's a lot of good stuff that you're probably not getting from them. So here's another format. And uh, they ended up actually going with a hybrid format from then format forward. They were like, "Let's." uh, I love they super well received, and they had never even thought about doing that. I was surprised by it, right? But to this day, they still have that hybrid report format where it starts off positive. It talks about core values, talks about wins in the project, and it goes into some depth about some of the findings. But if you're an auditor and you feel like you have no way to drive organizational change at the board level or anything like that, maybe try that. Maybe just produce two versions or start putting some positive stuff up front. Because if you're a board member. I think you want that. Like you want that visibility too, that things are going well and how's it positive. You don't want just all the bad stuff. So um, just a little tip out there that might work. Yeah,
0: yeah no, that, that reminded me of that joke. You know, why did the internal auditor or the auditor cross the road, right? Because that's what they did last year. That's what last year's <laughs> papers said to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that's a blind spot that a lot of auditors have is that's the way we've yep. always done it. Um, I teach about avoiding blind spots to our ethics but I think there's blind spots all over our lives. And, you know, one of them is that's how we've always done it. So you yep. know, stop. That's, that's the
1: favorite saying of any auditor for sure. Yes, it is. <laughs> cool. Um, so you wrote the book, Total Quality Auditing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm always fascinated with anyone who writes a book. It's like something that like I always say that I'm going to do. Like I want to buy a cabin in North Georgia where I live and, uh, you know, sit there and drink coffee and, and wax poetic in a book. But uh but I can never find the time or discipline to put enough words on paper to write one. So can you talk about that? Like, how did you get the book done? What inspired you to do it? Did you wake up at 7am every morning and write, write for an hour? How did that go?
0: Well, so I will. I think I kind of alluded to this already. Everybody is in, and you've said this, you've written more in your life than you ever thought you would possibly write. And yep. we all do that. We all write And I think uh, it's a matter of just kind of getting out of your own head about the fact that this is a book. It's not that different. You know, I had put together an eight hour presentation on TQA um, and I started doing it. That was like 225 slides. And I know that sounds like a lot. They were fun slides, I promise. My presentations are fun. But you know, now this is a hundred and some page book, right? I mean, it's like 148 pages. That's less than t- 225 slides. So it is less daunting than you think. And I think it's just a matter of sitting down and just like we, when you're in school, structure it. The best part about TQA is that it's six points of focus. You know, six isn't daunting. There's 14 TQM principles, by the way. So I took that down to six. Four teams too many. Thank you. Yeah, right. So, But six chapters, essentially, then, besides an intro and a conclusion, and you just write. Write about you know ethics to me is the easiest one. I I basically live and breathe ethics, and I have a second ethics book that kind of spawned from from this one. But you know, how do we audit culture and ethics as auditors? What have I done in the past? What are some stories of organizations that we can use in hindsight as examples of what not to do? You know, these are things we talk about, and often we write about them. We post on LinkedIn about it. You know, you guys have a I mean you have a record of your thoughts. It's just a matter of putting them in one place.
1: Yep. I love I'm uh, maybe I'm a nerd here, but I really like the this concept because to me it is not it's not auditing. We're talking about risk identification ultimately mm-hmm. and that could be cross disciplines and mm-hmm. and in life your thought you're thinking about communication, you're thinking about empathy and, and if you So there's so much to be learned when you're thinking about a quality system Mm -hmm. that you can apply to many different disciplines. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things you said, too, that you do um, that I want to plug on your behalf is you mentioned that you have like a webinar series that's remote. It's an hour a month. Yes. Can you talk about that? What are you doing there?
0: Yeah. So total quality auditing, literally, this is this will be the fourth year that I'm doing this. So this is pre-pandemic that I've been doing webinars one a month one hour a month, this year in 2022, they happen to be the third Tuesday of every month. Um, I'm in Colorado, so they're at 11 o'clock mountain time, my time, Uh, so that'd be 1 p.m. on the East Coast. But I break TQA, those six points of focus into 12 parts over the year. So January, all you've missed is kind of the intro, where did it come from? If you're listening to this right now, you've gotten a little bit of that. It came from TQM principles, we actually go through those 14 principles. But I always send the replays, so if you miss one of the twelve, you can always watch it. So that still applies. If anybody still wants to join the series, Um, and I have, I have more on more attendees on registrants on this year than any other year, and I am thrilled that it's kind of caught fire. And these are this is a new way to look at internal audit, and I can tell that people need it because of those reach outs that I'm getting because of conversations like this with you. We all want to have a new mindset, and it's just they don't have the tools to do it, and that's where I feel like I come in. You know, I've got the workbook we work through. I send every participant a book and a workbook hard copy. I mean, this is about education. This is about having a resource for years to come. Um, so I, I just want it to be valuable for everybody. I give you homework. It's not hard, but you don't have to do it. I'm not that kind of teacher, but. Um, it's just, you know, it's a fun, different way to get 12 CPE in the year.
1: That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, who's usually your attendees? Is it typically internal audit departments that I, attend?
0: Yep, typically. I've got some big name internal audit departments. I probably awesome. drop the names. Um, but this year, I'm super excited about and Yeah,
1: I'm going to go ahead and tell folks, if you're in security and you're doing security assessments, I, this kind of content um, totally makes sense. Because you're not talking about financial auditing. You're just talking about how to do a quality audit, which if you're doing assessments, you need. Where, where can people find it? Do you have a website or something people can go check out?
0: Yes. So TotalQualityAuditing.com will take you straight to the page and it will tell you all about each of the 12. You can register for one of the 12, um, or you can do the whole series still. And like I said, get the replays for the ones you've missed. Um, but like you said, what I love about TQA is that I have people in compliance on there, right? I have IT auditors on there. I have government auditors. I have, you know, performance auditors, quality, yeah. you know, quality assurance auditors and just typical internal auditors. But it, it really does. I have just risk professionals on there. It is like you said, it is just thinking about how can I start talking about the culture within my organization? What are those standards of conduct look like within my organization, within my function? It's very, I want to say general, but it's you know, it obviously, we get into a lot of specifics yeah. of what we do, but it, it crosses everybody and you would get something out of it.
1: Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much for connecting. If you guys want to connect with, with Joe, you can check out the website she just mentioned. The way I connected with Joe is looking up Amanda Joe Irvin on LinkedIn, and you have a podcast too that they should check out. And uh, this is awesome content. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us a little education here.
0: Sure. Thanks for having me again.
1: Hey, thank you for watching Tuesday Morning Grind podcast. If you like content just like this from cybersecurity executives, thought leaders, hackers, then come on over to risk360.com, check out our resource center, where we have blog posts, white papers, videos, all for free that can teach you about cybersecurity. If you wanna know more about cybersecurity certifications like ISO 27001, SOC2, PCI, HITRUST and others, we have a ton of content on that. So whatever you're looking for, we have a lot of resources head on over to risk360.com, shoot us a note, and we look forward to keeping the conversation going.